You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with a fella called Will Swan. He's in a band called Dance Gavin Dance. The reason for the conversation is to promote Dance Gavin Dance's brand new album called Artificial Selection. Here we go. Andrew Mackay-Smith calling. How are you, mates? How's it going, man? I'm very good. Just calling to have a chat. All good? Yeah, yeah, very good. No worries, right. What are you doing at the moment? It sounds like you're on the road somewhere. We actually just uh, filmed some stuff over at Telefunkin's headquarters, the uh, microphone company. Nice. We uh, are doing an endorsement with them and, and filmed a couple of video, uh, songs in their studio live, so hopefully they turned out cool. Okay, wonderful. All right, where, 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 or what platform or medium will these things turn out on? Is it a YouTube thing, or is it going to be on their their website or Facebook page? I'm not sure what they do with it. I know they've done some stuff with their band with bands in their studio before. Um, so yeah, we we just did it, and we'll see what they end up using it for. Okay. All right, mate, I better ask you about your, your new album. So is it out yet? I mean, the name of it's Artificial Artificial Selection. So what do we need to know about it? It comes out June 8th. Um, the, it leaked, but the leak is really low quality. So it's not even really like listening to the record, in my opinion, at the quality of the leak that's out right now. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited for it to finally drop uh, and come out. And we've got some more videos that'll be coming out too so um yeah there's a lot of content coming from the dg camp these days wonderful now when you said it leaks how does something like that happen is that when it gets sent out to media types and somebody decides to put it onto a pirate bay style site or or not even that simple pretty much yeah a couple weeks before it comes out you know it gets sent out to reviewers um magazines places that will you know promote it and in that time between the promotion and the release uh, generally the albums seem to leak and uh, it's not just us you know it kind of just happens to everybody now unless it's really guarded but only the like the biggest craziest bands like radiohead have the uh, ability to just completely guard it and not send it out to anyone and then it'll release when they want it to release but they'll just you know won't be any preparation i guess but uh we we don't want to do that, you know. We'd like to have it be as spread out as possible, and we don't mind if it leaks uh, because we'd rather have you know as many people as possible hear it. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Effectively, all it's done is bought the low a low quality version of, in terms of the audio quality version of the album a release forward. But because of the nature of streaming these days, which I assume is the vast majority of your listenership will be listening to the album over that platform, it doesn't make too much of a difference in the long run, does it? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I think going through all the rigmarole to try and keep an album from leaking is, isn't really worth it. Um, and it's kind of just be stressing you out, too. I feel like you're just like waiting that last week, just like, please don't leak, because you put in so much effort. But yeah, I mean, it's just a, a necessary evil, in my opinion. Yeah, cool. So how was the, the tour with Aaron and the lads in Under Oath? I bet that was a heck of a trip for you guys. It was cool. Um, I, I really liked Under Earth uh, growing up. Uh, I never thought I'd tour with them. I never thought they'd get back together the way they did. It was just all uh, really cool and unreal. Uh, so it, it was awesome. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I spoke to Aaron uh, a bit over 12 months ago when he was playing, well, he's, I think he still is playing in Paramore, but we're talking about Paramore, and I, I did ask the question about whether or not he would, um, I know that he was doing things live and on stage with Under Oath, but get back together for an album, and it only seemed like a month or two after he'd answered my question, which was he didn't know that they were back in the studio, so things happened pretty bloody quickly. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Especially nowadays, like, just uh, records come out so much faster. The album cycles are shorter. Um, yeah, things just keep they keep speeding up. Talking about album cycles being shorter, I was intrigued to see that, that Dance, Gavin, Dance, you guys, mate, you have eight studio albums and God knows how many other releases, live releases, EPs and the like, but how have you kept on top of high quality releases for consumption i mean it's it's not an easy thing to do you've got to book studios you've got to get promotion labels behind your agents management you know there's a lot of hands and mouths that that need to be fed and a lot of people that are sort of you know have their hand out and say well we want to be part of this as well as what i'm saying so how have you kept on top of that particularly because I, I take it you're one of the one of the decision makers in the band given that you and matt the drummer are the foundation members yeah, definitely. It's you know we've had uh, to build teams around the band since the beginning with management labels. We've stayed on rise our entire career, and that's been a really good foundation. Like we've always had great relationships with the ownership and management at Rise, and they have a respect for what we do. We have a respect for them, and that's really worked in our favor. I think, um, especially when our bands had like downtime we've always had the rise family to help us out and to, you know, be there and believe in us and know that we could come back strong and do something else. And we've always risen from that. And we haven't had to deal with that for years now. We've had a lot of stability for like the last six, seven years with Tillian. And, um, it's just, uh, totally become a, a new different thing. And it's, it's kept it interesting too. How have you managed to squeeze in a, a bit of a career uh, performing rap and urban music? Tell us about that. Um, I, or wait, uh, can you ask that one more time? <laughs> You're right. So you, you rap as well. I was reading online that you perform some rap music or you do something with urban music. I do. Yeah. Um, I, I rap on the DGD records. Uh, I didn't do it on this new one. A lot of people who I've told that have been angry, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't do it unless there was a part that felt like it needed to be there, uh, which there has been in the past, but this record just didn't have a part like that. We don't really like to force things onto the record. Like we'll have an idea, like Tillian will tell me it'd be really cool if you wrote another song, like this style, I liked that. And then the record will come and nothing. Like I just couldn't do it. So it's like, sometimes you have, expectations and they just don't get met but we tried to just make it natural and just put stuff that feels right and feels like what we want to be doing right now out and hope that you know it turns out the way we want it to which it never does but it always turns out cool so the band is to that point the band has been compared to every band from hard rock and heavy metal bands through to Mars Volta and you know we've alluded to some urban music so therefore some urban artists there but how would you describe your influences? Because they must be pretty broad. We have a lot of influences. Um, everyone in the band kind of listens to different stuff. We're not just uh, a bunch of guys who like are obsessed with a certain style. So that helps for sure. Because we all go off on our own when we're at home. And 
listen to new uh, stuff, get into different new artists and then bring that back to the band and show each other when we're on tour. Like, yeah, I've been listening to this. Blah, blah. So we spread a lot of music around that way. And I'm also just always uh, going out and looking for new music. Like I'll go on music review sites when I get home from tour and just look at every artist that was reviewed. I don't care about their rating because, you know, it's all uh, in the eye of the beholder anyway. So I'm just going to, I just go home and listen to everything and pick out what I like and try to find any new artists I, I dig. It's interesting, isn't it? That helps a lot. Yeah, we, you made a really good point there because as an indie journalist, I make a point of reading reviews. I don't actually pay attention to the person's opinion that's doing the review, by the way, but I look at the style of writing that they use. Are you, are you sort of doing something similar when you read reviews? Are you just looking for certain cues or certain points when you're, when you're reading them, regardless of whether or not someone gives them, say, one star out of five or five stars out of five? Yeah, pretty sure, pretty much. I'll skim through a review uh, if I if I first style kind of, and I won't listen to anything that is an opinion. You know, it's like this is whatever, whatever their opinion is, their opinion. But if they talk about like you know their heavier songs and there's you know cool, there's interesting guitar work, um, you know stuff like that, that draws me in, and I'll be like, oh, I better check this out. But yeah, I don't listen to their opinion because like I don't even have any good friends who i agree on everything musically with so how am i just gonna trust some guy you know or some person whose review i'm reading how do, you, how do you deal with comments online from fans and you know keyboard warriors trolls whatever you want to call them commentators under youtube now i haven't been onto your youtube page to see what the comments are yet or twitter yet but i imagine like anybody in the public eye you, you receive some, but is the general nature and tone of the comments you receive fairly positive, or do you receive a few comments? Um, the broader point I make is that I was talking to Mike Portnoy, you know, the drummer from Dream Theater, and he's got his own bands these days, Sons of Apollo, but uh, he mentioned that he gets trolled terribly. And uh, it didn't seem to bother yeah. him or affect him when he mentioned it, but he just said it as a matter of course that that's what happens. But how do you guys fare in the public eye? Um, we have a couple of pretty popular sites on Facebook or groups uh, called like Swan Posting and they meme us, they talk a bunch of shit about us uh, then some people on there love us, some people hate us it's just, it's crazy uh, <laughs> and we're constantly getting memes on there so we think it's really funny uh, and it's it's kind of a cool place for fans to go and uh, air out whatever it is they want or to be creative and make something uh, kind of silly um, and put it on there. Um, so it's, it, it, we, we like kind we kind of like uh, that whole internet trolling um, aspect of fandom. And we think it's funny when it's applied to us. Sweet. That's the best way to take it, by the way. I know just with, you know, my minuscule amount of feedbacks that I get, or just the vast majority are very positive, but the few that aren't, you know, I made a decision years ago that I'd never respond to a single one of them. So is that, in, I respond to the positive ones, but not the negative ones. Do you guys have something similar or do you actually, you know, try to engage some dialogue with some of the more negative responses? Um, I don't really engage in any dialogue. I mean, if somebody hates our stuff, that's totally fine because there's bands I hate. So like, why would I do that if somebody... We're doing something that I already do too. So, um, 
yeah, it's, I, I think it's totally cool. But, yeah, I don't try to change their opinion or anything because it's just an opinion. You know, if they don't like something about us, that's what they believe. And if they need to go online and tell everybody and try to convince everyone to hate us too, that's, you know, what they're going to do. I can't stop them, and I don't want to use my energy trying to stop them uh, or stress out about it. So I just kind of just let things be. Hmm. Very good attitude again, mate. And hey, look, I'll make this my final question. Australia, have you had much interaction with fans and listeners from, from our part of the world about your music? I mean, you've been going for a long time, so I assume there's been quite a few fans that have reached out and said, come over, we want to see you in Australia. Oh, yeah, most definitely. We love touring in Australia. It's probably tied with Japan as our favorite place to tour. Uh, but... We've been trying to get over there. It just hasn't worked out with timing with our tours here and promoters. So as soon as we can get over there, we will. And we have heard a lot of fans telling us to keep, you know, we need to come back. It's been too long. And we agree. So we're working on that. Sweet. All right. On that note, congratulations on your career to date. Long may your career continue. And, and also congratulations on this new album, mate. It's a cracker artificial selection. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really excited for it to finally come out. No worries, mate. All right, all the best. Thank you. All right, you too. Bye. Thanks, mate. Catch you. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with a fella called Will Swan. He's the guitarist in a band called Dance Gavin Dance. Thank you so much for listening.